0: Hi, this is Paul Siegel. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv/wanderingdms and youtube.com/wanderingdms/live. And now, on with the show. Hi, everyone.
1: Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about our own Dungeons & Dragons rules that we call Original Edition Delta. And we'll be talking about where it came from and maybe you'll get some ideas for customizing your own D&D rule set to taste. All that and more today on Wandering DMs.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Dan, this, uh, this came up because, I think, because we're, we're starting to roll into convention season over here. Or at least it's I true. am. It's true. And maybe before um.
1: we get started with that, which I'm so excited about, we should talk about um, our
0: uh, our Patreon, possibly. No, 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 I don't want to do it. <laughs> All right. Fine. fine. Uh, <laughs> folks, uh, as always, at the end of the show, we will be uh, logging into our own private Discord server for after-party chat with our patrons, where Dan and I get on a video chat with uh, folks who have joined our Patreon, and uh, we continue the conversation. And uh, it's a nice little uh, group, we do a little live video chat, super fun. If you're interested in joining that group, you can do so right now by just logging into our Patreon, patreon.com slash Uh Donate at any level, that'll give you access to our private Discord, and you'll be able to join in our after-party chat.
1: Paul, I just look forward to that so much every week. I didn't want to forget <laughs> to tell our viewers about, about uh, the, the extended conversation afterwards, but I'm also super excited about convention uh, <laughs> season coming up. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was ready to go. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. So I just, I just got back uh, from TotalCon recently. We talked a little bit about that um, uh, last week, I think. And um, I got two more in, coming up in April. Um, so I'm really like spending a lot of time thinking about the games I'm running. And uh, viewers of the show probably know that um, I am working on my own horror game called Fearful Ends. You can check out more about that at fearfulends.com. I've been running a lot of playtests. I'm kind of in the late stages of of, um, uh, layout and uh, gathering art and whatnot, getting that thing ready to go up on Kickstarter. So I've been so focused on that for a long time now that most of my convention time is spent running that game. Um, which is very valuable to me. Uh, I both enjoy it and it's good feedback and good playtesting. But recently I've been thinking, gosh, I, it's, I feel like it's been a while since I ran some od and I really want to run some. So I've started been, you know, I've been thinking about that and, and pestered Dan here for like, what's, what's the latest? What's, uh, what's going on with OED these days? What do I need to be aware of? I'm so glad and I'm so glad you suggested that because you know i'm I'm steeped in it all
1: the time, obviously. And and you know, among the places where we we chat about it is on our Discord server actually. We've had continuing great conversations about things that I'm tweaking, uh, you know, such as things that come up in the Thursday Night Book of War show that affect uh, the other OED rules actually. So we got a lot of great feedback about that, and I would not normally think to make it a Sunday topic because it's a it's an everyday topic. Um, for, uh, for for myself, actually, so we've just, chatted a couple times. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, just just in case anyone doesn't know what at the super highest level of what is OED. Um, there are a lot of different you know flavors of D and D out there. There's a lot of retro clones, people running different versions or whatnot. Um, so just at a very high level, so folks know OED is essentially uh, we're we're playing the original white box set of D and D, and Dan has published uh, what he calls the original edition Delta. I have here, OED, um, which my version that I have here is version 1.05. I don't know if that's the latest and probably not. And the player version of it is on a single folded page, which is really nice. So I can hand those out uh, at the table and say white box ODND plus this. Off we go. Um, what are we up to? Six? We got, you got a 106 seven. up there?
1: Dan? I got seven. Well, seven is seven. currently on the website. I got a link. Paul. If you, if you want the latest copy, of the, the latest edition of uh, the OED Households, you can go to oedgames.com, and there's a link in the YouTube description right now. It'll take you right there for that free one, one-sheeter. And I find that, you know, in addition to, um, you know, the intent, the original intent has been to slightly streamline original D&D, but also that one-sheet is all a player needs to get started with. So if I have brand new players at the table, and whether they've played some version of D&D uh, but not, Uh, the original version, or they've just never played D&D at all, I can just give them that one sheet of paper. And I've been pleasantly surprised by how quickly uh, people immediately pick up on how to make a character uh, just from that one sheet of paper. And I've had, uh, you know, game sessions where someone loses their character and I say, well, you're going to have to make a new character. I'll be around in about 10 minutes to help you out. And by the time I get there, they've already done it on their own. Um, which is, which I've, I've found to be just really delightful to, you know, always thinking about the new player experience and how to streamline that. And, you know, you, you don't have to read a 500 page book. You don't have to read the whole box set. That's, that's all it takes really.
0: Nice. Nice. Now, now for those who want more, there is more of course, right? There is also a couple pages for the judge. If you're, if you're the judge or the DM. Um. There's that. And then also, I think both booklets come with um, uh, extended notes, right? There's a lot of footnotes and whatnot. And so if you want extra information about where these rules came from and why, and, and Dan has definitely done his research here, none, none of these rules are arbitrary. Um, you know, <laughs> there's there's extra pages of of the, the where's and why's and whatnot. Uh, so that's all available. That's at something I, and, and for, that's... totally for free, totally for free.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've committed, you know, in the last couple of years to uh, adding those endnotes, you know, uh, partly for myself, partly for other people and partly because I found myself doing the same historical research twice. And I'm like, I have totally done this before. I I need to write this down to make me stop stop doing the same research over and over again. Um, So I kind of like having that there and, um, you know, uh, uh, illuminating for other people what the history has been that got us here. Nice.
0: Now, uh, I also have here in my pile of OED things, I don't know if you still use these, Tim, but I have these nice little cards, uh, these little sort of postcards that you used to hand out at conventions. It was just a high level of what is OED? What are the main differences between it and other versions of D&D? What is Target 20? Where can I get it? <coughs>
1: Um, and and we're, you know last cool. week Paul we were talking about your your cards that you hand out at games at uh, conventions and that's actually what inspired that card.
0: Yeah, th- these are these are really nice. And these are you know usually I toss a couple of these on the tables so people as they're showing up like don't know what they've signed up for and they can quickly look and see what it is. Let um, I mean, you know what, Dan, I'm going to I'm going to go through these bullets of what are the main differences between OED and, and other versions of D&D. And I'm going to ask you if these are still true and what's missing from the list, because it's been it's been a, couple, <laughs> this this is is a while since these things got printed out. Right. It has. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Top bullet here says all combat actions are rolled D20 plus level plus modifiers with success on 20 or more. No tables.
1: True. And that's, you know, generally speaking, that's what I call target 20. Um getting away from the tables uh that were in uh the original first edition type rules um is the no i feel the number one flagship thing to streamline that stuff um <laughs> and if you go if you go into you know original first edition they have these big tables we can talk more about that and you don't yeah. need them talking,
0: you really don't need them 're talking about like you're talking about like the attack matrices mm-hmm. um yeah which which eventually in later editions got boiled down into a formula that used they go right? But this is kind of an inversion of Thaco, right? Where Thaco was still, um, you know, uh, gosh, it still involved a bunch of subtraction, right? Like the nice, the, yes. I think that's the nice thing about Target 20 is it's all addition. Right. It's, um, it's Mathematically right. equivalent, right? It's like the same essentially as using Thaco, but I like it. I dig it.
1: You know, <clears throat> It's funny because they're, you know, occasionally have this conversation, and obviously first edition players uh, or second edition players uh, will be big fans of Thaco. And, you know, it's good to be excited about things in the world. You've got to you've got to support that. Um, and they'll yep. say if, you know, and occasionally be a snarky comment, like if someone's not smart enough to do the subtraction for Thaco, why well, don't want them at my table or something like that. And the funny thing is why, you know, to, from, from what I've read online, why did the early editions have tables in the first place? And my understanding is because the original players found it burdensome to do that subtraction. And, and, and therefore, Gygax was incited to put those tables in because his players were giving him grief back. So yeah. um, it's been the the subtraction that actually was the original rule, after all, you know, has been burdensome enough that. Um, and the truth is you can do psychological studies and subtraction is not good for most people's brains, frankly. So adding a little number, that's a different thing. And, um, uh, doing it that way, uh, you can just use the original stats in original D and D you don't need to add any new stats. And I find that, um, people pick up on that very quickly.
0: Right. Right. And it's, it's interesting too. I think, uh, it's, it's given me new language to use when explaining to people descending armor class. Um, Which, especially folks who are used to newer editions of D&D are used to bigger, bigger is better, right? Like bigger numbers are better. Whereas in older versions of D&D, the armor class, the lower it is, the better. And I just have this one sentence that I tell people, which is basically your armor class is the bonus I add to hit you. So obviously you want it to be as small as possible. You don't want to give me bonuses to hit you.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it tends to be a small number, right? It tends to be a one-digit number originally. So four, five, yep. or two, or maybe nine. It's a one-digit number. Whereas in new school D&D, the way they flip your armor class is going to be a larger two-digit number that you main- have to maintain and move around. Um, and generally speaking, people are, you know, work better with a smaller number rather than a larger number. So I feel that that's a significant advantage that we see with what we call Target 20. Um, so yeah. That's definitely the number that's the number
0: one thing that inspired me to to write down that one sheet actually. Yeah. Yeah, and it is it is literally that right? it would, I mean that's that's how I do the math, right? When when players are making their attack rolls because they don't necessarily know the armor class of their of the monster they're fighting, they roll their numbers and they add it up and they shout out, "I got 17." And I can just mentally add the armor class to that and go, "Is it 20 or higher?" Right.
1: Yeah. Yes or you no. know, as long as we're on this subject, you know, I have an image there because, you know, I, 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 came, I, I came up, I could detect this, right? So I've been running D&D like this since the 90s, frankly. So I, I, in, in the margin of my first edition DMG with, with ta- pages and pages of big tables, I have a little note of just, of just roll D20 and add the fighter's level, which is really what it just boils down to. Um, Mm -hmm. so I've been doing that, you know, before third edition, before, you know, third edition had the attack bonus uh, mechanism and, um, uh, years later, uh, our, our good friend, John Peterson, the, the wonderful D and D historian got his hands on the pre-publication draft of D and D and discovered that that was basically the original rule before the tables were made um i don't know if you can pull up the image it's going to be like a blue and white uh, table there from uh the pre-draft d d just a moment to pull that up uh here we go <clears throat> yeah so here's here's john peterson's finding and when he put it on his blog he linked back to my blog where, where i originally talked about this kind of thing and you can see there that in the the original, and, and there, there's a bit of text that comes before this that says the basis is gonna be 20 minus your armor class. And you can see that going across the top, the level, right? It says the 20-sided die score to hit slash level of fighter. You can see that it goes up by one pip per level. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine levels for the fighter and the target that you need goes down by one each time, 18, 17, 16, 15. It's exactly one point per fighter level is the original idea. And um, the reason why, and so again, you've got original D&D in a little digest book. We are totally talking about this kind of issue. So here is where it appears in um, the original digest right here. And the thing is when the game was expanded to higher levels, you don't have enough space on the page for the levels to go one to 20 or something like that. So it got consolidated into multiple levels per column just because of the page space. But the original Mm. idea here was totally each fighter level is one point on your two hit. So why not just say that? Why not just say roll D20 and add your fighter level? Because that was the original intent. And so it was really, it was certainly gratifying um years later uh, for john peterson to actually find that in blue and white uh uh in the in the mimeographed original original format and and i feel like you know that's as a math guy and i do use uh, delta as my handle because in math that means a small change a small difference as a math guy it's, it's gratifying to see that you know stati- that's what statistics should be for it allows you to see the future it allows you to see hidden things in the past that you weren't supposed to see um, and that
0: is that was the original game right there. So why not just say that? Nice, nice. All right, I think I think you know based on the comments I'm seeing in chat, I think we're all sold on Target 20. So uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna Great. move on. I'm going. We're gonna <laughs> move on to fire. bullet number two on my little card here. Uh, so this this one's a little more unusual. Wizards can't memorize duplicate spells. More variety.
1: Yeah, I oh, no, so man. I totally still do that. And, you know, I find more benefits to that all the time. I was actually working on a couple of things in the last week or two, and I was actually really glad that I have that rule for no duplicates. And, um, you know, that was explicitly allowed in um, at least as a first edition. And, you know, m- most of us are familiar with having duplicate Fireballs or cure light wounds or something like that, your casters. And I, I, I really like this, that you're not going to pick one great spell and just be repetitive with it. You get this additional variety. I feel that it um, uh, echoes the original literary source of Jack Vance, of your memorizing. The, Jack Vance doesn't have people memorizing the same spell multiple times. It's, it's one per spell. Yeah. And it kind of gives you some interesting beats in your narrative in a game of like, it's a different thing all the time and forces the caster to kind of, you know, take some variety and think about the other spells that are available. So I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. I will also say it it has this nice add-on effect, too, of impacting the gameplay in other ways. Not only as as a player who usually enjoys playing a wizard, right? I like seeing the variety of different spells in front of me. I like, you know, being encouraged to think creatively with those spells, right? Like, you're, you are you know, I'm down to just, uh, you know, a mirror image and uh you know in a knock spell what the hell can i do with these things right um so i like that i like that it kind of forces creativity it also makes other items so much more important wands and scrolls um uh, mm-hmm. just become hugely important in the game um you know i, I feel like we, we see that in a lot of the games you've run dan where often there's a like especially the higher level ones you've got usually got a, a magic user who's running around with a wand of fireballs and like that's that's like game changing now, whereas previously yeah. it's like yeah, eh, I mean, to kind of modify. Yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: The other thing I find, and maybe you know, maybe some people would disagree whether this should even be important or not. I do find that logistically it it um, <laughs> cleans up a whole lot of stuff at the table. For example, it supports your development, Paul, because you're the one that took my book of spells and turned it into the deck of spells. You could, so Paul created the deck of spells, which is a card. Uh, mechanism for all the spells in original uh, edition delta and uh the fact that everybody every wizard only has one of each means that you only need one copy of the deck and one you're going to have one card per spell and it supports that perfectly fine i was working on a new character sheet the other day and hey the spells can be just a a single checkbox right do i have it memorized single checkbox bam or if you have it in a text form just circle what you've memorized um and that kind of cleans up this whole. Uh secondary record issue, about here's my spells, but here's also the number that I have memorized, so having it be having it be
0: binary is, is just keeps paying dividends Dan, where did this come from? because I feel like this is one of the changes in o e d that really doesn't have a historical basis that I'm aware of, right like I can't think of an old version of d and d whereas target twenty is clearly like just a math derivation of what was in the existing rules. I don't feel like there's any version of D and D that has this requirement of one one copy per spell.
1: I guess you're right. Maybe I, you know, I might have, you know, I might have lost in 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 my memory banks where I first came up with that. Um, you know, may, I, I think possibly I was reading the original stories <laughs> and mm-hmm. kind of feeling the sense of what it means to memorize a thing. And um, and just thought about what kind of uh, what kind of payoffs you get if you dig into that. And I just I just became happier and happier and happier uh, limiting it just to just to one copy.
0: Right. Well, definitely, I was surprised uh, using that one in game like when I when I remember first hearing it, I was like, I don't know about this. And uh, I would say having played in many games, both as a player and a DM with that rule in place. I love it. It's great. Works great.
1: I will say, you know, and maybe I'm biased and maybe I've got a filter that I'm only remembering certain things, but I I have been really gratified by how many times when I've played with these rules and people try them for the first time, they start a little suspicious and they end with, boy, that really felt right. Like that actually just really felt like kind of the way that I wanted D&D to feel all this time. And that is like among the best things I can possibly hear.
0: All right, I want to move on because this one has already uh, been brought up a couple of times in chat, uh, and I know it's super contentious. Here's bullet number three: Clerics are removed. Scarier undead and injuries. No clerics. No yeah, clerics.
1: I kick. I kick clerics. Um, I like having the way- three classes. Yeah,
0: yeah. The the way the way I usually bill this, right? As as folks may or may not know, in uh, in in Greyhawk, the first supplement. Uh, to OD&D actually added the thief, which was not present in the original game. There were only three classes, um, and we just—I like to just tell people. I, this is this is kind of a, a backwards uh, excuse, I think, but I like to tell people. Oh, we decided that the thief was the replacement for the cleric. Right? It was intended to replace the cleric rather than add to the list. Of course, it's just total BS because the text right up top says there are now four main classes of characters, fighting men, magic users, clerics, and thieves. Like right there in the text. But,
1: <laughs> literally the first line <laughs> in the book.
0: It is, it is literally the first line of Greyhawk.
1: <laughs> That's great. Sometimes you put an interpretive twist on a thing. Yeah. And and I know not everybody's going to agree with that. But so if you if you go to my blog right? if you go to um, uh, Delta's D&D Hotspot uh, blog and you go to uh, the sidebar, my rules, the the bottom of the my rules page is going to be, a, I believe, currently 15 bullet point list about the advantages I find not having clerics. And again, that's one of those things I've had people start off suspicious and go, wait a minute, that actually kind of felt right. uh, you know so many things one you, you i mean i guess the number one thing is if you dig into the pulp literature conan elric um, you know that that kind of work um, that Dean lovecraft that things uh, spring out of there there aren't armored spellcasting clerics in any of those any of those books it's right. you know there are there are warriors there are wizards there are thieves sure that's that's part of the literature but the um, armoured spellcasting casting clerics just is not part of the mythology um, plus eighteen other things um, plus fourteen other things technically um, so I, I I you know and the funny thing is if 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 I'm a player in someone else's game right I usually play a cleric. right Mm -hmm. in in some sense they're, they're a little bit overpowered too so um you know removing them and having fighters specialize in what they do and having wizards specialize what they do feels better you know in in the original book what it actually you know how it initially describes clerics is that they're a splice between fighters and wizards uh, the very it doesn't say anything about gods. It doesn't say anything about deities. What it literally says is clerics gain some of the advantage, advantages from both of the other two classes: fighting men and magic users. So I'm like, eh, you know, why not? Why not clean it up and make the thing about the thing?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I I I have played a fair amount of uh, Tunnels and Trolls, which is kind of claims to be the second ever you know fantasy role playing game, and um that's right there in tunnels and trolls which famously you know the the story is right that ken st andre read the you know od and d couldn't make heads or tails of it and so decided to write his own game and sure enough there are three classes uh warriors wizards and then in between which he calls rogues which are have a little bit of fighting and a little bit of magic and they're meant to be a a middle ground yeah
1: okay
0: interesting no clerics, you know i no I will say
1: I will say that, I you know, part of my thinking was affected. You know, I, I didn't get uh, original D&D until 2007 when I started my blog. Actually, it's the very first post. <laughs> and at that point, you know, you and I had been playing third edition. We'd been getting increasingly unhappy with it, frankly um that was the point where they switched from third to fourth edition we were not interested in that additional rule so we're looking for something different i was you know so i was at least partly affected by some of the stuff that was being written in third edition d d such as their 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 unearthed arcana book that had a bunch of optional rules and there was a germ of an interesting idea there of just three classes and the three the three classes were a fighting class a spellcasting class and a skill-based class and I kind of I kind of liked the elegance of that actually. So I think that was also part of what um drew me in that direction of those really ought to be the three classes. And yeah. um they focus on different things and they're pulp uh, they're true to the pulp literature.
0: And on it and is on. it is nice that, that each class kind of has a core mechanic that only it really gets to engage with, right? Like yeah. um you know only only magic users have magic and only thieves have kind of a group of skills and fighters have their own stuff uh obviously they're fighting anyone i suppose can fight but fighters are super good at it but we'll get into uh some of the differences with uh, fighters cuz i know you've also added some stuff there for them um i guess before i'm going to i want to keep going down this list but i know we're, we're chewing time we should probably uh go through this a little faster uh but before i do that uh let me let me let me Point out one thing though, of course, anyone who's looking at this and thinking, hey, this sounds great, I would love to check it out, uh, of course, I'll point out that OED games, uh, you can get, you can go and download the, the PDF, but it is, it is a delta, right? It is a, a set of house rules on top of exist, an existing game. You can't play this without the existing thing, right? You, you, need, you need this.
1: That's and the intent. Would,
0: can people still buy this? Is it, it still, is it still only 25 cents, like mine says on the box? <laughs> what? What was
1: what? Is that Paul? Is that somebody. what you actually paid for that? N-
0: no, <laughs> but I'm sure at some point in the history in the the history of this oh. specific copy of original D and D, somebody must have found this thing at a garage sale and was very excited to play twenty five cents for this box. It wasn't wow. me on <laughs> crazy. <Holy smoke>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, uh, I will point out, like, if you go trying out there, going out there to try buy a physical copy of the original printing of OD and D, this, and I think this is what fifth or sixth printing that I have. It's the last one. I think it's yeah. got the original collector's edition star right. on the corner, which I know marks it as right. the, the most recent one. Um, I think these are pretty money. hard to find and pretty expensive these days, aren't they? Yeah, I believe so. I, I don't even want to know what they're,
1: what they're what they're what they go for these days. Uh, but you can get uh, oh, so uh, you know PDF versions on RPG Now, uh, so Drive Through RPG, um, and um, they had a they had a uh, you know reprint a, a number of years ago um, in a different box. Um, so you can get that. So the intent is you know if I if when I make a game for a convention I publicize it as original D and D with OED house rules, um, and I've got the original books myself as the judge at the table. The players don't need them, so I have you know, handouts for everything the players need. But, uh, you know, the intent is I kind of want to play original D&D with a little couple tweaks, and that's what I have behind the DM screen. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, beyond um, beyond just uh, this, beyond the, the, where is it? There it is. Beyond just this little, you know, Delta paid players, the player's rules on the little player's rules booklet, really probably the only other thing that players actually need is if they're playing a magic user they'll want the spells which you conveniently have. Here we go. Da-da-da. The original edition delta book of spells.
1: Or the deck of Very cards nice. that Paul made uh that we call and the deck, deck of cards, spells which of I don't have
0: within, uh, within reach here. Yeah. Didn't think to grab that,
1: that. One. Same for me. But. Uh and you know and players tend to uh, you know players tend
0: to say they prefer that. They really like that. I, I enjoy it as a player. I definitely enjoy it. Um, cool. Okay, so let me, let me zip through the rest of these bullets, Dan, now that I've uh, yeah, set please. my card over here to the side and I've lost it. There it is. Okay. Um, money is silver standard. More value for PC gold. Right? And that's just, um, that's just a minor math change, right? We just, we just went, all money is yeah. worth the type you, you know what, what is printed?
1: right and people you know it's again people say um uh you know the the D economy just doesn't make any sense but you know it's surprisingly cl- it's just off by one order of magnitude if you just shift it, if you just shift the decimal place one place smaller it's surprisingly close and i understand why when they originally wrote it down it's like it would be cool to have gold that's basically where the economy comes from is like so all the the equipment list is all priced in gold. But um, his and then they gave a bunch of justifications later on to justify their mistake. Uh, But if you made that original uh, price list in silver, you can use actual historical tables and references and it's actually not that far off, frankly. So I like that. And then again, that supports being able to use um, actual research and actual resources kind of in a straightforward fashion. Uh, plus, uh, people are hauling out more XP in their bags as a, as a result, which I don't mind.
0: Yeah, there's there's a there's a question here in the chat about what happens to copper, and and I just want to point out like what what we actually do here is just cut the value of everything by a factor of ten. It's, copper still exists; it's still in the game, mm-hmm. right? It's just all the prices of everything is a tenth what they're listed. Um, the experience points when you're giving experience points for treasure, it's one XP per silver piece, not one XP per gold piece. Uh, but I still like, like, I like that, uh, frankly, gold does exist in, in my game and just, uh, yeah, you want to buy plate mail armor It costs, what is it, what is it, like four gold pieces or something, right, which sounds like not a lot until you go, oh, but that actually is a lot, <laughs> right? or four, 40 gold. i've already I've forgotten.
1: now personally that that actually is the one thing on the equipment list that i dial up uh price that that's actually one like among the things there that is the one thing that historically is off compared to the other items so i personally do dial up plate mail um a little bit to correct that but other than that everything else is about right so chain mail um uh, you know about is, is about three or four gold pieces, I think, under this adjustment. And that actually is uh, apparently what it would cost in Italy at one point. Um, nice. So I kind of like that. Now, our friend Josh, right, makes the point where uh, copper is sufficiently low value that it, it, his opinion is frequently they just shouldn't be in the game. It's a waste of time. But I, you know, I actually kind of like I mean, copper, you know, um, things of that value, things that were, uh, you know, pence, in real life, yeah. smaller than a silver coin, did actually exist and were useful for some people. So I actually don't mind it being in the game, and, and it's it's you know a little bit of a puzzle for the players. But is it value, Is it worthwhile hauling around a bag of copper? Right. Uh, and uh, you know maybe that's maybe that's only a puzzle for for, for new first level players, or maybe it is a um, red herring a literal a literal red herring to trick players like here's a heavy chest of coins and then you open it up and like and you know that's
0: a little bit of a haha moment
1: and you know what yeah. i don't want that all the time but i actually don't mind that in my game
0: and it, i do like that it changes over over play that like in the early levels i think copper is worth it right because because you get an experience point per silver piece of treasure you only need 10 copper pieces to get an xp where at low level yeah maybe it is worth that maybe it is worth carrying that heavy chest of copper pieces out of the dungeon and then as you progress into the game and, and the XP per level ramps up, you know, maybe it's not worth it anymore. Like, and there's
1: an element of verisimilitude whereby, you know, it is actually valuable for the, you know, peasants or, you know, these people giving, you know, small amounts of pay on, out of a pay chest. It's just that it's not valuable to you, but it's something you, that's in the world that you, have to, that you have to
0: consider. All right, next bullet is, encumbrance is historical stone units, easier numbers. So now this is a place where
1: I don't think I have completely convinced Paul about this. Uh, nope. But we, we, you know, we, we, many of us agree that uh, in, adding up encumbrance, a whole lot of numbers for encumbrance in the original rules is, is a hassle, OK? I think we, most of us agree with that, mm-hmm. am I right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel that it's just that, and, this, and again, a lot of what I do in OED is paying attention to issues of scale, time, space, distance, movement, money, and weight here. And I feel they just picked the wrong scale. The you know original D and first edition was measuring encumbrance in tenths of a pound in individual coins, and if you pick a really small scale, then the numbers you're going to be dealing with are going to be large and fiddly. You have to add numbers like 125 and 57 and 42 and five and one, a whole bunch of ones and fives. And um, if you had just picked a different scale, then the numbers come down and there is and you know and i again i like things to be in historical real you know units i like things to be in feet and rods and leagues and there is a unit called stone that was i mean it's not like a historical accident that's kind of a convenient amount and you know for what it's worth i went i went bowling the other day and i I carried my own bowling ball and it's about a mile hike to the bowling center my bowling ball is exactly one stone (laughs) <laughs> it's, 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 exa- it's exactly normal bowling ball sized. So if you, if you measure things in stone, some of the numbers are so easy that I don't need to look them up in a table. I've just got them memorized. Plate mail is four stone, chain is two, leather is one. A big thing like a shield or a pole arm is one. A, you know, the, the, the thing that gets a little bit cranky is you, you do have to use a fraction of small things like a sword are a third of a stone. Um, and so granted that, at least on my end, having learned that I can just add up these single digit numbers very, very quickly, and I don't need any tables for that.
0: Yeah, this is definitely an area that I'm, I'm I, I don't use this rule. And that's, I think it's a mm-hmm. good, this is a time where we can point out, you know, just cause it's yeah. written there, you don't, you know, get the OED rules and redline, whatever you want to redline. You want clerics back? You can have them back, yeah. no problem, yeah. Right? Yeah. line them out. Uh, yeah, I'm not a sure. fan of that particular encumbrance. I agree that the original coin system is not great. Um, I think usually what, what I use is just a standard kind of um, pounds system. Yeah. I have a, a, yeah. you know, a table of of the weights of things. Uh, I prefer it to be decimal-based. I don't want to deal with thirds. And I just, no, nope. I don't want to deal with anything that is... got to count up all the number of small things and divide by three. Ugh, I don't like dividing by three. That's annoying to me. You know, I, I feel I mean, like you know if it you want to be, it is the pain point, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I kind of reject your your. It's it's historic and that's quaint. Uh, if that's if that's the case, how come it's not twelve copper to the silver and twenty silver to the to the gold, Dan? It can be. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it, I like, like I actually, you know, uh,
1: I, I actually put a poll on that, and and there are a lot of days when I kind of do want to do that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah um but it's it's uh yeah anyway so now i'm thinking about now I'm thinking, yeah. I, I don't mind <laughs> that i actually don't mind that don't you know 12 is a really nice number 12 a yeah. super nice number yeah. it's divisible by one and two and three and four um <laughs> so you, that, that you know anyway. feel free to redline that out i support that paul yeah.
0: great um, great
1: great and and yeah. i will so point out the uh, other like the, the other nice thing about about that if i if i can for a second is that it then it scales to your strength score so, the, so the, mm. the rule for movement in O&D, the, the way that's written, is you can carry as many stones as your strength score. Done. Mm. End of story, right? Um, that is
0: elegant. That is elegant. I will give okay. you that. I will say in practice, though, I feel like every time I've seen a group sit down to a, a, a game of yours, I see you run around the table and calculate people's encumbrance for them because I see a lot of head scratching. <laughs> <laughs> so the this practical the practical side of me says mm, not sure it's as easy as you think it's easy because you've memorized it <laughs> i mean there's only three numbers <laughs> there's yeah.
1: four two one and a third that's i guess that's four numbers <laughs> all
0: right we, we yeah. disagree on this point i'm gonna move on um, here we go next bullet says melee weapons each get a simple unique benefit
1: yeah, uh, there's okay. you know uh, th- th- you've you've got a bunch of weapons in or, you know, the original D and D equipment list. There's, there's about a dozen of them, and you know initially uh, just everything just did one d six damage. There was literally no reason to pick one over the other. I guess other than encumbrance, actually. And then in mm-hmm. uh, the first supplement, they had uh, variant damage, but there's still a lot of overlap. And what I discovered is if you just slice the the weapons into four categories which is very, very natural, uh, there's bladed weapons, there's spear type things, there's club type things, and there's, uh, there's axe type things. Just magically, they all become distinguished. And I, when, I, mm-hmm. when I realized that, I was really kind of amazed. So I pull a little bit out of the Greyhawk supplement and just say, here's your four categories. There's four categories. There's three, there's three sizes. It's very, very natural. And suddenly, there's some kind of distinct reason to pick every different weapon that honestly really isn't in original D&D. And it just takes a three by four grid to explain that. Um, so I was very happy about that, too.
0: I can't say, I don't, I'm not sure I feel like I've engaged with this rule a lot. I'm not sure, has it just not come up? It's, it's well, it's. So what, what's the major difference between the four categories, Dan? Is it just the, the, the die type for damage?
1: Well, that's, uh, directly out of the first supplement. So the, the, the damage is, I haven't changed at all. That's directly just like it says in Greyhawk and, and will match, uh, basic and, uh, basically matches any type of D and D including the current edition. Um, the difference are those categories whereby if you have an ax type weapon, you get a plus two to hit against chain or plate, heavy armor. If you have a club type weapon, like a mace or a flail, you get plus four specifically against plate mail and that's all echoes what uh you have for uh, armor modifiers in chain mail. i would say echoes mm. hopefully historical things and look I- i'll confess the the one little bit of a weak point is that those modifiers only make a difference if you're fighting someone in armor
0: right um, yeah i was gonna say how so, do you adapt this to yeah. monster types right like what is it, what is a dragon wearing
1: there, there's a there's a there's a footnote there's a foot there's a longer story there's a footnote that i do kind of intend to to do that with things that have hard uh, a hard skin surface uh but the the truth is it doesn't count that's those things don't come up too much if you're not fighting men in actual armor which is the most obvious case but it's there and i'll say that my right. players when they pick up on that they're very very fast if i personally forget they're very very fast we go, that guy's
0: in plate. Moment. I get my plus four, man. I get my plus four. There you go. Yeah. 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 Well, once, once you're handing out pluses, people, people want to claim them for sure. Um. OK, I got one last bullet on here, which is all the monsters of magic work like core D&D. True. Sure.
1: Yeah. You have a nice, you know, you have a very nice big list of spells in regular D&D. You have a big list of monsters. Those are the places where you can expand things. I don't want to rewrite all that, right? I, I don't think there's any need for a retro clone to rewrite all of those things. So my intent is certainly to interface directly with what's an original D&D and use
0: that as you know, your resource. And what it is is what it is. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm looking at my, at my Player's Rules version 105, which is already two versions old, Dan, and looking for other stuff that is maybe missing from that bullet list. I'll give you a couple. Uh, so we can just touch on them real quick, uh, three alignments, only three alignments, right? Just like the original book. Lawful neutral chaotic. Great. Um, fighter feats. Let's talk about fighter feats.
1: So obviously that's a term that I took from third edition, obviously, and, and, um, when third edition came out, I actually thought that was a good idea because Gygax over the years was making a bunch of different benefits specifically to fighters. And I thought that it was a really neat to consolidate that idea is that over the various editions of D&D, he had fighters get exceptional strength. If they have an 18 strength, which gives additional bonuses, they can get extra attacks at a certain point. They can have weapon specialization in first edition. Um, they, they have subclasses, right? Like a ranger gets tracking or um, maybe, you know, two weapon fighting or something like that and i'm not a big fan of subclasses because i feel that they are just you know too much stuff but all these little things that you might be interested in adding to your fighter character why not consolidate them and permit the player to pick from a very limited list and so uh my personal mental thinking about that is it's a really short presentation of things like exceptional strength or weapon specialization or mounted combat because you want to play a Cavalier. Um, So I have that there. And uh, people, when they get to the hero level, when you get to pick your first one, players are really excited about picking which thing they want their fighter to specialize in.
0: It's a nice moment. I can show you on the back, uh, the last page of this thing, there's the list of about 12 of them, uh, or exactly 12 of them. I assume it's still 12 um which is also nice if you're rolling quick npcs you can just pop out your d12 roll away Um, i have you know it's nice. once in a while i've
1: added a thing but i take a thing away if i do that out of that list to keep it at 12 just for that reason
0: it's a a nice list and like you said it fills all those gaps i see berserking i see mounted combat tracking two weapon fighting weapon specialization great strength all that stuff's in here good good stuff uh and uh, it was what I was hinting at before of like it gives fighters a unique mechanic, which is really nice, right? It gives fighters that like here's the special thing that fighters get, extra extra cool little abilities as they level up. I well, I dig. <laughs>
1: Paul, I think that's most of the bullet points on the card, and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about yeah.
0: today too. So thank
1: you for looking at that. Let's talk yeah. about um, before our time runs out. Let's talk about like yeah. the latest change that I made because you know yeah. based on feedback, I'm always making some tweaks. And uh, Bacquies in the chat was joking earlier, but um, the the uh, what's what's new in OED? Well, a whole bunch of edits. Yeah,
0: so yeah. I yeah, that's changed. what I was kind of curious about because um, I have 105. So what's what's changed from 105 to 107?
1: Uh, I'd have to backtrack and see what's, what's in 106 to 107. But the thing that people are going to see in 108 (laughs) is I changed how I, on the, on the, on the first page, I changed how ability scores are generated. And, um, you know, I look at a lot at a like a specific thing among the things we do with OED is I have simulator programs, a big one called arena that's available on GitHub, whereby I simulate Mm -hmm demographics of what how would fighters level up and how do they interact with all the different monsters and what what is the actual um what should the 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 challenge rating we might say of the monsters be um and so you might want to pick up the the graphic of the um the the uh the chart that i have in the images paul so if i take my Uh, arena program
0: or a chart oh there it is
1: and I run uh, fighters, uh, just plain fighters, <laughs> fighting against each other in an arena, you know, a couple times a year or things like that. One of the really interesting things that falls out is even if you start everybody by just rolling 3d6 in order, which is, you know, how original d d uh, rolled the ability scores, um, you find that to survive to higher levels, uh, it, it benefits you to have higher strength or dexterity or constitution and so that just very naturally just falls out of the system i'm not adding points i'm not giving benefits for higher levels it's just that after a while if you look at the higher levels they have higher ability scores and so you see that summarized in this um chart out of a simulation i did like a week or two ago actually is the the ability scores over the average generally trend upwards as you inspect the characters that live to a higher level and i think that's in that's that feels natural to me uh i think that gygax had the same instinct that when he was making high level npcs in the in his modules they would always have higher than normal ability scores and so in in oed i want to reflect that and if you are making an npc or a pc above first level i wanted to know what should it be and i had honestly previously I, I like things being you know randomized i like them not predictable so previously i had used this type of dice for a good ability and use this type of dice for a different ability and what i decided again thinking about new players is that why not just roll 3d6 in order and then mm. you decide where to add some points and the nice thing about this chart is if you draw a trend line through those increasing dots it basically It's it kind of comes it basically comes out to be a linear and it's basically your level plus one more point. So uh, the the rule Mm -hmm. that you're going to see for brand new uh, first level uh, characters in uh, 1.08 will be roll three d six in order. And then you have two more points and you can put them where you want. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you had higher level, you just however, however higher your level is, you just get that many extra points to put where you want. How does that feel for you, Paul? for a new first level character
0: well that's that's my main question here right is that um if you're trying to model the idea that um in order to get to a higher level then statistically you're more likely the characters with higher ability scores are more likely to survive right and i get that from the backwards direction of i'm trying to make a 10th level character so probably more likely to have higher ability scores who have survived this long. But what about when I am starting a new campaign at first level with the expectation that we're going to go to level 10? Do I give them extra points because I want them to survive to that high level? Or are you saying no, nope, we're just going to flatline, you're going to everybody's going to make the original type of character, which means probably characters going to die. Right? Over the course of the campaign, if you roll poorly, character's probably not going to make it.
1: That would be my instinct, right? That my my intent would be that, honestly that um you uh get this what you that first dot there at uh, the initial level be two points above you know just 3d6 um and you've got to play well if you get if you get a particularly good character um that'll help you out if you have good teamwork that'll help you out (laughs) um if you can play really well maybe you can exceed that it's not you know it's it's not uh fated um and if you look at these lists of you know characters if i dig in not everybody at the higher level has uh higher ability scores maybe they lucked into a nice magic item perhaps Um so uh i wouldn't expect to do that and my my personal plan when i run it is i don't give you extra points when you get the higher levels uh maybe in my game there's a magic pool that might increase your ability scores but i'm not Mm -hmm. uh planning on that um how does that how does that feel to you
0: it's okay i mean i guess to to me uh my gut says that um i guess i could see it i could see using it for the use cases of i'm writing making pregens for um you know for for a convention game and i want them to be six mm-hmm. levels so they they should be a little beefier or i'm making npcs that the players want but so here's 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 my argument Dan. It shouldn't be in the player's guide. It should be in the uh, judges section. Because for me, I feel like it's only for judges. It's for judges making pregens or NPCs. It's not for players.
1: Interesting. Um, my my intent was, because even being first level, uh, in, on, on this chart, you notice I have a zero level there. Mm-hmm. So even to mm-hmm. survive uh, and become first level, a veteran, uh, like for the fighter title, you, um, the, the stats say you need to be a little bit higher um, in abilities than just 3d6 down the line. So, you know, just like previously, I had different dice. Like previously, in that, that sheet that you have right now, I've got players get to pick one ability score to roll 2d6 plus 6
0: for yeah. Right, very yep. Admittedly, really first I never used game. that. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, I never use that in my own games. Probably won't use this one either. Feels a bit fiddly to me. I love, I love 3D6 in order. I generally think, I mean, I understand that the math and the simulations show that in, in through combat that it is, you know, more likely that you survive with higher ability scores. I get that. But I also think one of the charms of OD&D over newer versions is that I think that ability scores are less pertinent to the game in older editions than they are. like They're very important in newer editions, so much so that you're like, I desperately want my ability scores to go up because it's important for my success in the game. Whereas I think in older school uh, games, they're less important not only mechanically, but also because the nature of the game is such that it rewards you for avoiding combat. It rewards you for being smart, outsmart the game, such that it doesn't matter what numbers are on, on your page
1: we agree i don't want to overturn that right we we i think many of our viewers agree with that and um you know that's why i you know uh, again you know looking at original DD, um it does um have for things like um uh, experience right it does have these gradations which are basically reflected here in the you know one two bumps for experience let me ask this paul so you're uh, Mm a you know come from uh playing moldvay basic D&D quite a bit and if i recall correctly and moldvay shares the the basic rules share what's an original D&D of your roll 3d6 in order and then you can move some points around you can move some points around from one ability into your prime requisite to improve yourself did you did you use those that point shuffling was it
0: Yeah. really I'm surprised to hear yeah. you say that. Where on earth is that? That's 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 in this book. Yeah, uh, page B six under ability score adjustments. Oh, it's the old uh, lower two to raise one rule. Mm-hmm. I remember that thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I remember that rule existing. I can't say I've ever seen anyone use it.
1: <clears> okay. Okay. When I, when I ran with those
0: rules, like that. Mm-hmm. Even when it was an option, I feel like most players would be like, eh, that's a net loss, no thanks. And that's <laughs> why my system is purely additive, right? Yeah. yeah I totally
1: agree. Is it that, that system, which allows you to tune your character a little bit, which has been in, right, in original D&D all along, basically that same rule, and I, I don't mind that it allows you to tune your character a little bit, but yes, the problem is by reducing it, you're be- now becoming lower than average and looking at this chart, instead, I wanted to have adding things yeah, to A, yeah, yeah. match these stats and B, be a little bit above average exactly to correct that problem.
0: Uh, yeah, my my instinct is still a little more fiddly than I want. Probably not going to okay. use it, but I don't know. My original instinct on some other things like uh, only one copy per spell was originally negative and I came around on that. So I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we should, <laughs> I mean, we should I both
1: try hot. it and see what the players say when that happens. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. I, I do, Great. I very much appreciate the simplicity and the kind of old schoolness of just 3d6 in order, man. Just go. I do, and I have you, in the past, when I run the game, I have in the past allowed a single swap. After the numbers are in place in their yep, scores, yep. if you want to appreciate swap you. to get your high number in a category you want, I'll give you a swap.
1: Yep and uh (laughs) i agree i wasn't doing 3d6 in order, so now i am you know among i'm shifting to at least you start with that so what i'm going to do in the future is anybody sits at the table and the first thing you do is you do roll 3d6 in order uh because i like that again i i also like that and then we'll move a couple points around eh, which kind of echoes what's an original D. &D. you move some points around um i'll also say our our friend josh who is just, just so smart about these rules issues the thing that he does is Uh, You roll three d six in order, but as you roll each one, you get to pick what ability it goes into. So some people have compared that to Ability Score Black, uh, Ability Score Yahtzee, I guess I should say. Um, And um, some people, when they hear that, get really excited about that. Another, Another good option. Cool. So let's talk about as we as we wrap yep. up here, let's talk about you know what what other new things uh have, have been happening that people can interface with. So uh on our on my GitHub uh, page, we have an expanded version of OED, and a couple people have called out for that. Big thanks to Bacqueus, uh, who is our aide-de-camp at uh, Wandering DMs HQ. So Bacqueus took a whole lot of my other writings. Uh, packed it together in a much larger document. And we have that, again, for free on GitHub. And it's openly available. And the intent is for people to suggest modifications to it that maybe we overlooked. And there's a couple, there's one or two pull requests on GitHub uh, for the larger thing. And among the, the things, like, right, for example, if you like clerics so much, has put that in appendix. So you had so that is in the o e d expanded rules in an appendix of that's how to modify great. the cleric spells in this same kind of sensibility, and uh I'm not personally going to use that myself, but I'm glad that's there for as a as an option for people to pick up on the big document, so I think that's kind of nifty, and the other thing you know we're constantly play testing stuff in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're playing Book of War last Thursday here with Gamma Dan, we had a really, really great, um, really great game on Thursday night. And among the important things was the weather was just super important. It might be among the most important things with that six-level spell control weather. So me and Dan and all the viewers got in a big argument about how weather should work and how the how the rain should work, right? And and that's continuing on Discord right at the moment about options for dealing with uh weather and rain and mud and how horses should work so we're still we're still trying to iron out that big topic and the other thing that i wasn't going to announce publicly until tomorrow and i think there's an image of this in our um in our featured images paul is the character sheet um you may not know that original edition delta has a character sheet on the roll 20 virtual uh, tabletop um nice it, big thanks to jameson proctor um who initiated this project like over a year ago actually and uh the last couple weeks i've got a chance to get in there and tweak it and fine-tune it and modify it a little bit and so if you want to play oed on roll 20 that character sheet is currently available for anybody's game Uh, just in the drop down list uh, go down to original edition delta or just search for delta and you'll you'll find it there And, uh, you know, we wanted to keep it lightweight. We wanted to be flexible. We wanted DMs to run it in different ways. Uh, But what it will do is it'll automatically calculate your ability scores the way we do that. Um, You can see there are buttons there to automatically roll saving throws and attacks the way we do that. There is a, at the the top there, there's the last tab is for spell book. You type in the spells, you know, and there's a little checkbox to see whether we have it memorized. Because again, it's either just binary for us. And then there's an equipment list there and you just fill in those numbers for four for the weight of plate mail or one for a pole arm, or 0. 0.3 for a helmet. And it's all automatically added up and it automatically computes your movement on the first page. Great.
0: That's great, Dan.
1: So well, I'm very really happy we are... to, have that, to have that tuned up and have that available publicly as of, as of tomorrow, yeah. as of right now. That is fantastic.
0: That is fantastic. Excellent, excellent. And we are we are definitely pushing the clock right now. We are out of time, so I'm going to have to call us here. Uh, hopefully, we got to everything, all the new stuff in OED games and and for OED. Maybe why would we, we talk about
1: this weeks and weeks and and years. <laughs> I mean, and we have we have. We, have, we will continue yeah. to talk about this. But th- those are the high spots. And and uh, thank you. For, I think that was a really w- good way of uh, getting at that, Paul.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, great. Uh, before, before we go, Dan, there's a lot of chat going on uh, about uh, asking about when Elder Times is coming back. Uh, coming back Thursday. Tried spot.
1: that Tried that a week ago, a, a week and a half ago. Had a technical problem here with Steam. Really felt super bad about it. But I, I, I debugged it. I had it working a couple hours later. So uh, we will be back Thursday night at 8.30 PM, and I'll be back at Pool of Radiance. And I'm going to do a really good job this time. Thanks, Len. Excellent.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm a bit, as a big fan of actually watching them myself. Uh, I, had to, I had to put you on the spot so I could uh, get an answer. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, viewers, if you have any questions about OED games or any feedback, uh, any, anything you want to know about original D&D or the variation as we run it, um, please leave us a comment here in the, in the YouTube video. And we'll be happy to get back to you, uh, or or possibly even expand your comment into the topic for our future show if it's real juicy.
1: Definitely, uh, and we have links in the uh, YouTube description here. So there's a link to uh, oedgames.com where you can get the OED house rules, links to our other products, uh, mm-hmm. links to the Target Twenty description if that's uh, confusing for anybody, and also links to uh, my blog as well as our GitHub site, if you want to see what we do on the uh, the coding angle. And of course, remember that you can like, follow and subscribe to us. And we are on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and GitHub. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. So look
0: for us there. If you prefer to listen to our show in audio only podcast format, you can find those podcasts at our website at WanderingDMS.com. Uh, also, you can find us on various podcast uh, sites like Spotify, and Stitcher, and iTunes, and Google Podcast, and I'm I'm sure a ton of others. If you are uh, listening to the show right now on one of those sites, and there's the ability to do so, please rate and review our show on that site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate that.
1: We really do. And just like Paul said earlier, you know, huge thanks to our patrons who support the show here. If you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. You'll see our different tiers in every single tier gets you access to our Discord server. Where we have continuing conversations about old school D&D rules and how we all play differently and what people want to see in OED or Book of Spells or Book of War, things like that. And again, in about 10 minutes, we'll be there to continue the chat about old school D&D customization um and um and, and we'll both be there today is that right paul yep absolutely i'm so glad that you recovered from the con crud last week
0: yeah yeah i mean i still uh still a little snuffling a little bit but most mostly over it um uh, yeah yeah so and you know getting ready for, to go to the next convention and uh hopefully uh remember this time to bring my vitamin c and avoid that it's no fun yeah you
1: look good, Paul. You look—I mean, I right. would not have been able to tell that because you, you, you look good. So I'm—I'm I'm, I'm pleased to see that today. So we'll be there in about 10 minutes, and um, yeah, look for uh, me on Elder Times Thursday night, uh, digging back into Pool Radiance, and uh, of course we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.